0: Well, I want to welcome you to Pregnancy Help Podcast. My name is Christine Grimmett, and I'm here with Betty McDowell, our Vice President of Ministry Services here at Heartbeat International, and we have a special guest joining us. He is the CEO and founder of Destiny Works, LLC. He is a Destiny coach, a speaker, author, and he formerly served as a pastor for 42 years. Um, His educational background includes University of Pittsburgh, Moody Seminary, and Taylor University. Our guest is the author of the book, A Why to Live For, Where Your Destiny Meets the Broken Places of the World. His name is Dave Rodriguez. Welcome, Dave. I want to take a quick moment and give a shout out to our sponsor, Destiny Works. You were built to count as water is made to run downhill You're placed in a specific context to count in ways no one else does. That is your destiny. Author Dallas Willard reminds us that every human being comes into the world hardwired for purpose and meaning. Many spend a lifetime trying to discover it. Destiny Works exists to guide people like you to discover your why to live for. Find more at destinyworks.com and that's destiny-works.com. So, Dave, I spent a little time on your website, and um, several months ago, actually, Betty had recommended that I read your book, A Why to Live For, um, and it's really been a blessing in my life. I love the stories, the explanations of the different, um, the different things that drive us and give us direction. Um, I liked how it gives you direction on what to do once you've identified those things. So it was really cool. It was really challenging. It's one that I, I think I got through pretty quickly because uh, I was so into the content. But then it's also one that I see me going back to every few years, even because there's there's just a lot there to revisit in the future as as we experience different things and go through different things in life. So it brought a new perspective to calling for me. So that's my little personal testimony on that book. Um, So I've been looking forward to this conversation a lot. And I just, I want to turn it over to Betty from here to start us off. Thanks
1: so much, Christine. Um, It is really exciting to have you with us, Dave. I'm, I'm glad we get a chance to chat this afternoon. I wanted to tell our listeners just a little bit about our connection and really where our lives intersect. And for me, that is um, a couple different ways that I have had a chance to get to know a little bit more about you and what you do. So Dave Rodriguez is actually connected to the church that I attend in Columbus, Ohio, because you are a presbyter. So we have mutual friends with Ryan and Aaron Flum, uh, great people, and uh, love them dearly. And so Ryan and Aaron have introduced a couple different things from your church experience, one was the Discipleship book, um, The Way of Discipleship. Uh, this, is a, this is a great book, and I've had a chance to use this with um, several different women and really appreciate it and utilize it still, these 11 practices essential in following Christ. And I wanted you to know, I brought it up because I wanted you to know that before uh, COVID hit, before online, Zoom, before all of that was a thing— one of the folks that I had a chance to use your book with was actually in another state. And so we met using basically FaceTime and we would meet monthly to go through your book. So we were already understanding the whole remote concept of being able to connect and really appreciate that book. And then as a little time went on back in, I think it's like 2019 you produced or published the book, A Why to Live For. And I had the privilege of seeing you in action uh, taking young women in our church really through this process, um, using that quilt, the quilt methodology that you talk about in your book. And that particular young woman is someone that my husband and I had a chance to get to know her. In fact, we were the ones that introduced her to Christian Community Church. And so it was really fascinating to know her backstory and to watch you work with her. And so that was pretty cool. And so for me, I think about... Um, there's always a story behind the story. And so when I'm looking at your book and and uh, reading through and familiarizing myself again with the book, A Why to Live For, I thought, okay, Dave, we're glad you're with us. And there's a story behind the story. And so I thought maybe you could start out by telling us, uh, Christine gave a little introduction. If there's anything more you want to add to the introduction about who you are, and then tell us a bit about the story behind the story. So, why did you write this book?
2: <laughs> okay. So, there, she did a great job introducing that. I really don't have anything more to add except that I am father of two and I have uh, four grandchildren. So, that's that, awesome. That's, I just need to say that, right? The story behind mm-hmm. that is the, the book started with my with an attempt on my part to describe for the churches I was leading, what does it mean when we're, when we're reaching out into the world or following the commission of Christ. And through a long study of the concept of the kingdom of God, it came down with the idea of the broken places of the world, the six broken places of the world. And that's what the book is based around. Um, It didn't start that way. We originally were thinking of the six expressions of the kingdom of God and it wasn't sinking in with people Um, and a friend of mine, we're sitting on my back deck and talking about it and I wish people could grasp these six evidences of the kingdom. And then I said, wait a minute, what if we just flipped it on the side and talked about the six broken places that the kingdom of God, you know, as we move into the world expressing the kingdom of God, that what are the places that are going to be healed? And that's when injustice, isolation, pain, Separation, uh, decay of the planet, and um, what am I missing? Hatred. Um, are we started to communicate that, and people went, "Oh my gosh, that makes all kinds of sense." So that's where the whole thing started. It was more like an ecclesiological thing. This is the this is the focus of church uh, of Christian outreach in healing these six broken places. Then one day, um, we had a bunch of interns one summer, and the mm-hmm. pastor that was in charge of interns said, "Hey, they, they want to." they want to talk about calling. Can you come tell them how to, how to discover their calling? And I was like, okay. And I walked into the room, and I wasn't planning. And I said, well, here's what it's like. Um, it's like a quilt. It's like every aspect of your life, life is a, your personality, your life story, your uh, your gifts, your skills, your portfolio of talents, and your passions. So they're like patches on a quilt. And when we put them all together and look at the whole quilt, we get an idea of perhaps what your calling is. And then I went, wait a minute, that your calling then is linked with these broken places of the world. And it's like a big Venn diagram. The awesome truth is that is that you are unique. You know, we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10. And then the world Romans eight twenty eight says that the world is is essentially like in the pains of childbirth right up to this time. The world is broken, and where those two truths one's awesome, one's awful intersect, that's your calling, your uniqueness intersecting with the brokenness of the world. And so <laughs> those those two ideas intersected. So I started writing the book, essentially about how people's calling are linked somewhere to the broken place of the world. And I was sitting with my editor and she said something like, can you help a person figure this out? Figure this calling out. You you say, you know, we all have a calling and you say that there's broken places. Can you help? And I said, well, yeah, I've been doing it a little bit. It's a, this thing called the calling quote. she said, you have to put that in the book. And so, at the end of the book is this chapter on how how to discover your calling as it intersects the broken places of this world. And one thing left or led to another. I actually what you saw me do live with a young lady with your friend um, and this the calling quote, I now do. I, that's why I'm tired. I just I did one all morning this morning. It's a three hour session, um, and I do it with. I've done it with, with Zoom. Has been great. I've been able to do it. People in New Jersey and Illinois, and I'm soon gonna be doing well with a person in Kenya. So um, so yeah, it's that's the whole story behind it. I'm now I basically now help people figure out the code.
1: I love that. I love that. And so when you come to our conference in April in Columbus, that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna actually work with folks who've signed up and registered ahead of time. And actually do the calling quilt with them. So that's why mm-hmm. there's some prerequisite work that will be done ahead of time. I wanted to go back to the, your, your six evidence, evidences of God's kingdom or the kingdom of God and then the six broken places. And so um, I wanted you to know, like when I looked at this, when I read this book, it just so uh, spoke to me of the pregnancy help community and the work that we do. Whether whether that's someone in a medical clinic or a pregnancy resource center or a maternity home, um, there are just so many things that just kind of stood out to me. So when you talk about the six evidences of the kingdom of God, you have reconciliation with God. That certainly happens in our pregnancy help organizations and in abortion Mm -hmm. recovery ministries. Love and community among human beings, which is we're all about community. We reach, rescue, and renew communities the healing of minds, bodies, and spirits, Um, peace among diverse ethnicities and people groups, and we certainly serve um, those diverse ethnicities and people groups, a restored and beautiful physical planet, and justice. That reminded me of uh, something that's really foundational to the work that we do, and we, we call that the love approach. And so when we're working with a woman who's in a in a crisis situation or an unplanned pregnancy, unintended pregnancy, um, we use this love approach, L. We listen and learn. We become a student of that person, and we, we ask curious questions. And as we continue to listen and learn, we begin to open up options to them and what their real options are that are ahead of them. We... Um, Listen and learn, open up options, and then we go to vision and value. So we try to awaken in them the vision that God has for their lives. We help them understand the value that they have as well as the value of the life that they carry inside. And then E is to really equip and empower them with some very practical next steps. That's what we do. And I thought, well, when I look at what you're doing, it's actually this the same thing you really are becoming a student of the person you're working with you're opening up options you're awakening that vision that value that calling and then you're equipping them and so I thought gosh I didn't realize that we were in such parallel ministry and so that was pretty cool to me
2: oh yeah and the, the cool thing about the people who are serving those who are in a crisis pregnancy is that when you look at the broken place of the world um, some of the people that are part of Heartbeat love the relational dynamic. Some of them are good at the um, systemic injustice issues. Some are really um, good in helping people deal with the pain in the pain in their life. Uh, and so the beautiful thing is, uh, a person you, you can have a, you might feel God call you to work with crisis pregnancies. But really, when you look at your skill set and your personality and your passions, you can even go deeper and you can know this is my niche. This is what I do mm-hmm. to, 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 to move into this, move into this area. And once, once a person realizes, you know, I don't have to do all the things. I can do the thing that I've been wired by God to do. Um, and they can give themselves to that very peculiar, specific calling, um, that's when, and, and everyone does that, that's when we, have, we see a groundswell work getting done.
1: Well, and, and it reminded me, even, the, even this, um, in the six evidences of the kingdom of God, you talk about a restored and beautiful physical planet. Mm-hmm. And I, it reminded me of uh, three different things just came to mind right away. Uh, one is the garden of life that exists in Israel. And its I've had the privilege of being there a couple of times. It's a place where women can go to really mourn a loss and to plant something that brings life. And it is a really beautiful, peaceful place. Uh, there's another place in South Dakota uh, under a leader named Leslie Unruh. And Leslie has built a beautiful garden as well. So women coming in have this, this place to really connect with God and to um, have a place of quiet and solitude and beauty. Mm -hmm. And then the third place that came to mind for me with this um, is actually a place in Houston, Texas called the Fifth Ward. It's actually one of the toughest parts of, of Houston. And there's this incredible pregnancy center that sits in the Fifth Ward. And so, from the outside, maybe not as much, but environmentally, when you walk inside, um, it almost it almost brought me to tears when I walked inside because mm-hmm. it was so unbelievably beautiful. And I was asking stories like how how do people come about to want to do these things? And, and it's people who have that that call for that restoration of decay because and, and, and inviting people in. And so, what you're talking about really hits. Some move of the of the pregnancy help community. It was just so cool to see that.
2: Yeah, and that's a perfect example of a person who is passionate about the physical creation, but they're also passionate about helping women in in crisis pregnancies. And and think about the people that created those places. They're like sky high with their 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 whole calling is in this one thing. They've created this beautiful space for women who need it. It's it's an incredible calling.
1: So I want to get into talking about the calling because you really kind of explained the Venn diagram uh, that you have in place about looking at your gifts, abilities, calling, the six broken places, and then your destiny and how that that calling really fits there. But I wanted to um, go to this. This is chapter one, and it's uh, you start with this a Dallas Willard quote. And then you say this, and I, I was looking to see if you had your book in front of you. Do you have your book in front of you? I,
2: I, have, it in another, I have it in another room. And unfortunately, I don't think I've memorized my book. So,
1: Okay, so well, I'm going to go ahead and I'll read it. You can so read it. So our listeners can just imagine this in your voice instead of mine. <laughs> but you yeah. say, before you were born, before you took on form, God looked at you and was pleased, quite pleased. He not only loved you. What you've been told from your childhood by pastors and parents, but he liked you. He liked how he made you, how he designed you, how he equipped you. He liked your talent, personality, your skill set, your latent personality and your skill set. He liked your body type. Yes, he did. He liked your mind, your heart, your spunk. He liked your grit and your passion. Yeah, he was quite pleased with you. He did a very good job making you, didn't he? As a matter of fact, he was so tickled with how you turned out, or rather how you were about to turn out, that without hesitation, he labeled you a masterpiece. And I, I, I love that because I, I think that's a message we try to tell clients, but sometimes we need to really hear that and really get hold of it ourselves. Um, so with that in mind, let's have you talk a little bit about the, the six callings Maybe mm-hmm. just walk us through briefly the six sure. callings.
2: So there's, um, there are some people who's, and let's talk about the foundation. The foundational broken place of the world is separation, people's separation from God. And lately I actually have been using the word alienation um, because it feels, it feels more, you know, people alienated from norms and alienated from the God uh, of the universe. And so, Person who is an ambassador, you know. Uh, some people have that calling to be an ambassador to help reunite people with the God of the universe. So they're dealing with that. Then there are people that are dealing with injustice, and these are the people. Uh, their calling is to take on the it, almost the, the bigger swaths of of injustice in the world, whether it's abortion or whether it's um, poverty or homelessness that's a, that's a peculiar calling. If, and it takes a unique person to be able to handle a big injustice like that. And we know who they are, though. I mean, they get fired up, they're worked up. Um, then there are people who are passionate about dealing with the the broken place of pain. Um, right now we are watching, I just watched a video that was pu- published in New York Times yesterday. And another one of those videos of a of a ICU nurse talking about what she's been going through in, during COVID. And I sat there weeping, and, and I've seen so many of these, but this one, her calling was so clear that she is called to deal with pain in this world, and she was remarkable. Then there are people who deal with or deal with hatred, and racism, and um, that's their calling. And they tend to be activists, they tend to be people who use social media or use the. I know a, a guy who's a he's a rap artist and he's an expert in R and B and he's does adjunct professor in it and he and he himself is a is a DJ, but he uses his platform here in the city I'm in Indianapolis. He uses that platform to talk to people about issues of of racism and it's incredible. Um, then there are people whose passion is to uh, the decay of the planet is a deep concern of theirs. And so they see themselves as shepherds and caretakers for, uh, for God's creation. My daughter-in-law is like this. She, um, she made a determination that she and my son also are into this. Um, they want to, uh, they do rescue ant. they, they take in rescue animals and that's, that's their calling. And what have I missed? Have I missed any of them? Oh, and the, then there are people who are peculiarly gifted and passionate to move into areas of isolation. And um, that's anywhere from people who uh one family I know that they have devoted their life to bringing uh, that they do foster care and adoptions. They care for children who are isolated and lonely and have no one. Then I have another friend who was huge in the pharma industry. He was a pharma, um, drug salesman. And he ended up leaving that because he was so passionate about seniors and their isolation and loneliness that he went, actually changed careers and became the director of a of a skilled nursing facility because he loved seniors and wanted to take care of them. So those those are the different directions that callings take us. And then there's, you know, peculiar pieces of each one of them that people use their unique abilities.
1: That's great. So it was champions, nurturers, healers, stewards, activists, and ambassadors. There we go. So when I went through this, and I actually had a chance to watch you walk that young woman through, I thought, wow, this is great. This is great for young people. This is really wonderful for them starting out. and, And it is. It is. But I got your book and I read your book and I, I find it very affirming for me in, in letting me know that I am working in my serving in my calling and uh, was, was pleased and loved that. One of the other things that stood out in the book was reading some of the stories. And so while I at first was like, okay, Christine, you're young. You need to read this book. And I've recommended it to several other people who are young. But as I went through the book, I thought, oh gosh, I actually know some people who are trying to figure things out as they might be retiring or they might be making that, that switch in career. So they're, they're not at retirement. They're, they're kind of in the middle of the road and just really saw value. So I, I was kind of chuckling as to how many people and the age range that I've recommended your book to. Oh, and
2: the number, you know, like I, I, I walked a young woman, 17 years old, which is pretty young to be talking about calling that she was desperate to go through this. So I walked through this with her. It was a wonderful experience. And then on the other end of the spectrum, last January, um, a woman, I think she's now probably 80. Um, her husband had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and, um, she knew that he was not, not long to be, uh on this planet god was going to take him and he took him um it was the last funeral i did as a pastor it was the last week in may but mm-hmm. back in january before she said i want to know what my calling is going to be when i'm a widow and so that was a stunning time that i spent with her unpacking what what does she give herself to now and we found out her calling really is to is to be a mentor to. Young, um, young, and middle-aged wives who need someone to guide them uh, further and how to love love their families, and and so that's what she gives herself. To, she gives herself to now. It's a beautiful thing. So yeah, and I've done this. Uh, I, do, I I've designed the workshop for a fraternity, a national fraternity of um, ATO nationwide. Um, so all ages, CEOs. I did it with six NFL football players. So, um, I've done it with How a lot cool of. Cool, is
1: that? That's pretty neat. That's really pretty neat. So yeah. I, I'm. I'll be curious. Uh, we could talk off, off podcast because it's like, oh, so what do you do with NFL football players? <laughs> uh, that would be kind of fascinating to know. So I should. I should
2: add that every one of them had retired within the year or two before. So they all ah. played. They all played for the Indianapolis Colts. One of them is a friend of mine. And he said, would you sit down with all of us? Because we need to know what we should do now.
1: So. Okay. So it wasn't like they were active on the team and no. going, I should be on defense, not offense. So. <laughs>
2: no, no, right. no. they were all trying to figure out, now what do I do with my life?
1: Very, very cool. Let's talk a little bit about that process. Like, What are the things that you're looking at when you're helping someone walk through this process? What's the what's the makeup of the calling quilt? Sure. I think that's four, what I'm really after. Four
2: elements. The thing that makes up the most patches, so to speak, on the calling quilt is a life mapping. I do a life mapping. They do a life mapping exercise. They look back over their life at the good, the bad, the ugly, and the wondrous. The people, the situation, the moments, and capture all of that. And then each one of those moments, people, groups that influence them, good bad, ugly, we put that up on the calling quote. And that takes up a good part of it because our lives are, especially for older folks, there's a lot going on in our life. And and what I've discovered is callings emerge out of life story more than we even imagine. When we look mm-hmm. at the whole life story, you start to see, connect the dots in people's life story. Um, and you start to see, you know that, like like the guy I um, I, I met with this morning, pointed out, I said, have you had any idea? Do you see the impact your grandparents had on your life? Because essentially the calling on your life right now is almost a mirror image of what they poured into you. And he was like, shocked. So life story, that's the first thing we look at. Second thing we look at is um, personality and I give everyone the or everyone takes the Enneagram test. Mm -hmm. Um, And we discuss what is what are the unique aspects of who you are? that play into your calling? What are the, like when you are at your healthiest and your finest and your best, what do you you bring to the world? What are your motivations and and what are your strengths? That's the second thing. And those end up being a series of patches. And then the third is I have everybody do a, um, interview three friends and ask those friends to tell them what are my portfolio of gifts or skills that you see in me? Either I've learned them over time or they're innate that goes under the calling quote. And then the final element we look at is what is it that stirs their heart when they look at the world? What is it that breaks their heart more than anything else? So we capture that and that whole process takes about two hours when I do this. And I do this in workshop form too. So the people that come to the conference will actually go through all this together. And then we sit back, we both sit back and I start helping them connect the dots and make a suggestion. I said, here's what, based on who you are and your personality and your life story, how does this feel, and your passions, how does this feel to you as a calling? Nine times out of 10, they end up in tears or their eyes are as big as saucers Hmm. because they're seeing something about themselves that they hadn't seen before. And then they... I tell them, all right, I give them homework. What I want you to do is go out and watch for this because you're going to see this everywhere. It's going to come up in what you hear, the people you run into. It's like like if you told me, Betty, if you told me you were going to buy a Volkswagen, that's the car you're going to get. And you would. Dr- what would happen if you would drive on the... You would see Volkswagens everywhere. Mm-hmm. You, you would never... Uh, okay, well, the same thing is true about calling. When you get a sense of what your calling is... You'll see it everywhere because god says oh good i got her attention now i got her attention and this is what i made her for so now let's do the two-step together god and god and you and we're gonna we'll, i'll show you what i want you to do
1: see that's exciting and so i really believe our listeners are going to really benefit from that and get the book um And hopefully if they have the ability to get to Columbus in April to be part of what you have to offer. Mm -hmm. And uh, one other question for you as we're getting ready to close. When I look at the book, the afterward, you have a, really it's i think a poem in here from Donna Markova Mm -hmm. from, I will not die an unlived life. Yes. So I wanted to read it, but I was really curious to know why like what's is there a story behind the story for this poem
2: well it was simply when I was doing research for the book I looked for other people's writings on the idea of calling and purpose and um, I don't know I think I was reading maybe Parker Palmer's got a book um, about calling which is a phenomenal book uh, Richard Rohr uh, falling upwards a wonderful book and one of those guys may have quoted Donna Markova. So I thought, okay, if they quoted her, I went and got her book, I Will Not uh, Die an unlit Life. And I read it and, you know, Donna probably, I don't know her personally, but when I read it, I thought, we're probably not ideologically on the same place. Mm-hmm. We may not share the same faith system, but what we did share was a passion for calling and purpose. And so then I got to that poem, which is sort of the centerpiece of the book, And I thought, this really articulates what I feel, too. And I think when I hear it, I love the passion behind the poem, and I love um, where it's coming from. So that's the story. I I just found the book. I fell in love with it, and that's where it came from.
1: Oh, thank you for that. Well, I'm going to read it. I don't know that I can give it the passion it deserves, but um, I'll give it a shot. So afterward, I will not die an unlived life. I will not live in fear of falling or catching fire. I choose to inhabit my days, to allow my living to open me, to make me less afraid, more accessible, to loosen my heart until it becomes a wing, a torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that which came to me as seed goes to the next as blossom, goes on as fruit. I thought that was a powerful little piece, and I knew there had to have been something else behind it. So, Oh, yeah.
2: And that that seed to blossom to fruit, that's, that's what drives me now. I want to see the seeds that God's placed in people's lives go on to blossom in a way that actually changes the world.
1: Well, I can testify that that is what you're doing. So I've I've seen it at work in my life. I've seen it at work in in others. So we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today to share. And I look forward to seeing and hearing more about uh, what others experience when they come to the conference and get to spend time with you.
2: Thanks so much, Dave.
1: All right, Christine, I'm going to turn it over to you.
0: Thank you both. This is a a good conversation. So I enjoyed just kind of sitting back and hearing all the stories. Um, In fact, sometimes I wish I could just be an attendee at conference and just sit in there and take part of it in it as a participant. But um, so if you're able to come to Columbus, to our listeners, please join us. It's going to be great. Uh, Thank you, Betty and Dave, for talking to us today. And uh, for more information on our sponsor, Destiny Works, please visit destiny-works.com. And if you'd like to contact us here at Harpy International, if you have questions or comments, you can email me at support at harpiedinternational.org. And lastly, please subscribe if you enjoy these podcasts. We love to bring you new content. Have a very blessed rest of your day, everyone.